Now presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by our special guest. Again, my name is Doug Irvine. I'm on a leadership team here. Um, and I've been privileged by Pastor Ben and Melissa, who are on vacation, to bring the word this weekend. So I'm excited. So tonight, I'm going to be speaking on the premise of enjoying God. Um, and truthfully, I, I feel that as followers of Jesus, I think we struggle in this concept of enjoying God. Um, and I'm not going to stay low. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up a little bit here soon. I won't stay melodramatic. But I truly believe that we struggle with this impression we have of God. And then it also impacts how we enjoy him. I'm going to read from John 15. John says, I, John quoting Jesus says, I, Jesus saying, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And this word abide is going to become the theme for today. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine dresser, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and then gathered and cast into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, <clears throat> that you bear much fruit. So it proved to be my disciple. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So abiding is a funny word and I have to create assimilations for myself. And in that I usually reflect on past experiences. And so some of my fondest memories uh, growing up as a kid was uh, a young man I grew up with named Danny. And Danny, when we were in middle school, moved to Miami Beach. We actually uh, both lived in Jupiter at the time, prior to him moving. Um, Danny lived in an average middle-class family, but somehow, all of a sudden, Danny's dad um, just became extremely wealthy. I don't know what happened, you know, just immediately. Um, we kind of have differences of opinion, whether it was legitimate or <laughs> illegitimate, but Uncle Al somehow came into a ton of money, and we don't know how. And all I remember was when I would stay at his house, we'd wake up and he would be reading his paper with his feet in the pool every day. <laughs> so it wasn't because of hard work. I'll guarantee you that. So they moved to Miami Beach. And the first place they bought was this massive condo on Biscayne. I mean, it was gigantic. And to me, it was really gigantic. I grew up um, uh, kind of in places people would call ghettos, usually small apartments, um, Hispanic communities, things like that. So there was five in my family, and normally it was two bedrooms, one bath, you know, and you put your washing machine in the hallway, and you used everything you had, and that was your space. But this condo was gigantic, covered in marble, was all white, glass, probably 10 feet tall, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was, it was amazing to me as a 12, 13-year-old boy. And the first visit there, I'll never remember, never forget, waking up in the morning, before the other guys, and I went out into the, 
to the house into the condo. And Danny's mom, who we endearingly called Mimi, um, was awake and she she had this thing she did for us for breakfast where she made something called cinnamon toast. And I know a lot of us are familiar with the word cinnamon toast, but she took it to a whole nother level. It was basically a small piece of toast with a little bit of butter on it and then about 15 tablespoons of cinnamon and sugar. And you would, you would crunch your way through and love every second of this cinnamon toast, okay? And so she said, hey, I'm going to go make you some cinnamon toast. And I, being inquisitive, started to explore this condominium. And as I walked through the condominium in the different rooms, I got to a back room that just had some couches and a table, but it was round and it was surrounded by glass. And I was just totally intrigued. So I climbed up onto the couch, which was against the back wall where the glass was, and I began to look over the edge so I could see down to where the street was. And I was, as I was sitting there just admiring and looking over at the people that look like ants and things like that, Mimi shows up in the left side of my peripheral vision, and I look over at her, and I smile. I'm in a good mood. And she smiles back. And she just kind of shakes her head a little bit, says, Doug, we don't, we don't actually sit on that furniture. We just look at it. And me, growing up in the neighborhoods I did, said, oh, of course. Of course that's what we do. We look at the furniture because we had tons of space dedicated in our house to just observing furniture. You know, to having these great pieces of things that you looked at. I had never heard of this before. I mean, has, is there anybody here that still has no idea what furniture for looking is? Anybody? See, we have a few people that have not heard this concept. So I'm not alone. But I honestly believe that, that this is something we also do with the Lord. I think we put him in a place where we want to spectate him. And we have a hard time enjoying him. Let's pray for a minute. Papa, I pray your blessing, Lord God, over the word today. I thank you that it is your Holy Spirit that speaks through me today, Lord. Not on my own accord, but on yours, Lord. I thank you for making the speech clear and my speech clear and effective. And Papa, I pray right now you would open hearts and eyes to Jesus and Jesus alone. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So the first point today it's easy to assimilate this concept of admiring God, of looking at him. It's really difficult to enjoy him. Amen? I mean, think about it. We show up on the weekends. We have an incredible time. We totally enjoy God. We jump. We sing as loud as we can. We spend time with our friends. We hear a great word. All this stuff happens. But then at the end, we're like, yes, thank you. I'll see you next weekend. And we walk out. And a lot of times we have difficulty then being with God throughout the week. And I don't believe it's our fault. I believe there's some things that have been portrayed for us. I think that there's been just items in our life, who we've been around, experiences that, that cause this relationship. But this is why, so this is why I chose the book of John. And much of this comes out of just the last couple of weeks of me spending time in the book of John and studying. And a lot of it comes because he's just this odd guy. John is, is pretty odd. You know, I mean, he does things very differently than a lot of the other disciples. You know, I mean, six times in John's own gospel that he's writing, he calls himself the beloved of Christ or the favorite or the loved disciple. I'm the one he loves. 
I don't go around saying that. <laughs> Maybe I should. And so, but truthfully, I think that we even would, not even that we don't say it, I think we would have difficulty saying it. Would you agree? Yes. I would agree too. And so, because we don't really understand this concept of enjoying God, we pretty much stick to admiring him. And so let's talk, what is admiring God? Truthfully, it's, it's us saying things like, well, I, I, I give to God. I pray to him. I worship too. You know, I show up on Sundays. A lot of times that's just admiring God because it becomes a ritual, becomes something we do rather than something we are. So truthfully, enjoying God isn't really a, a mindset. It's a posture. And if you look at John, I mean, think about the instance. Uh, a lot of us, if we've been in the church, we know uh, the story of the Last Supper. And in John's gospel, it's specifically told in, a, in an intricate way. So what's going on here is that Christ is, it's his last meal. He is getting ready to be turned over to the cross. And he's having a, a dinner with the disciples. And during this, he's telling them, hey, stuff's going bad. It's getting really bad. And I'm about to be delivered over to the people who persecute us and are against us. And then he drops a bomb on the table. And he says, oh, and by the way, it's going to be one of you guys who turns me over to them. Well, when this happens, everything breaks loose. I mean, the, the disciples are freaking out. It literally says they're perplexed is what the word means. That's their response. They're all looking around. They don't know what's going on. And the leader... Peter, who's pretty much been portrayed as the leader, can't even ask Christ what's going on. The Bible says he gestures to John. It actually doesn't say he gestures to John. It says he gestures to the disciple who is reclining on Jesus' bosom. Okay, that's a chest. I'm not, I'm not saying bad stuff. So can you imagine, though, we are talking two grown men. Two grown men sitting on the floor. That's the way they would have done it back in the day, sitting at the table. On the floor, and John, John is like <laughs> nuzzling Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I grew up with a very stoic father. Well, I don't think we've ever hugged. He told me he loved me when I left for the military. That's, 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 that's it, man. That's it. And the response was, you know I love you, right? Yes, we're good. And so if you die, I just want you to know. And so... I didn't have this affection and Jesus is being nuzzled. And so I think nuzzle's a word. And, um, and Peter gestures to John who's laying on top of Jesus and says, hey, who's he talking about? I mean, why did Peter feel compelled that John would have this information? That John was privy to more than they were. And John just looks up and says, hey, who's it going to be? He doesn't have any problem. He doesn't have any qualm because of this relationship that he has. And that's what I think. I honestly believe that, that enjoying God is this super comfortable place. It's not an antique couch. It is your favorite chair that you've had for 30 years that is weathered and beat and has your impression in it. That's, that's what I believe. And I'm not trying to take away from who God is. I mean, listen, he is the creator of heaven and earth. I totally understand the magnitude of who he is. But I think that as I try to live day by day, thinking of him as the creator of heaven and earth only, 
I think I would have difficulty approaching him in that. Amen? Amen. So, I like stories. You'll see. I, I, I had a great paternal figure in my life. I was very fortunate. And so, the modeling of this idea of enjoying really came to me, and I was reminded of something preparing. Um, my grandfather was just an awesome man. I mean, he led our entire family from every direction, his parents, his siblings. I mean, he handled tons of family businesses. Even in, in times of health crisis, he would lead the family and do an amazing job. And I remember being a young man, we actually were able to, to live with him for a couple of years. My mom and I uh, stayed at their house for about four years, three or four years. And he was my first role model. And he was a tremendous guy. Now, I remember him being gigantic, although my grandmother gave me one of his work jackets a few years ago, and I can't even put it on. It's, it's too small to even put on. And so it's amazing to me how our perception is created by this relationship with people. And I can remember being only a couple years old, running around my grandmother's house, and my grandfather would come home. And he wore an all-blue outfit to work. He, um, he was a mechanic. And he worked, at this time in his life, he was retired. And so he actually worked on the rigs that would come in to the Riviera Beach Marina. And so it was kind of cool to go to work. You could like walk through engines rather than just look inside of them. The downfall for my grandmother was when he came home, it was literally head to toe grease from walking through these engines. And when he would come home, my grandmother had a ritual. She would make him a plate of food, heat him something up, and she would get him a drink. And he would sit down in this leather green lazy boy chair it was awful I mean awful the only reason it existed in my grandmother's house was that was the one spot she could put him that he wouldn't ruin the remainder of everything else they owned and so that was his spot and I can recall the memories of jumping on his lap while he ate and watched television and just talked to me and we would watch 2020 in Jeopardy. I remember this day. The theme song still play in my head all the time. And I can remember being four years old, answering questions on Jeopardy and him telling me I'm right. And I can't even understand the speech they're using to know that I'm wrong when they actually answer the question. I mean, it was just this great time of bonding and talking. And literally, I can remember so many instances, even being just four years old, of this happening. And to me, that's what I believe enjoying God is. That's, to me, the model of this relationship. That we can't put God up on this stool or on this huge throne, up on top of steps that we can't reach and just shout out to him of how much we, we love him and appreciate him. You know, I mean, think about when we teach our kids to pray. A lot of times, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. It's, you know, oh, Father, you're huge, you're big, you're great, and I need you to fix the boo-boo, left knee. Two Band-Aids. See, I needed two Band-Aids. But a lot of times it models how we pray and how we communicate with him. We say, you know what, God? You're amazing. You're tremendous. And I, I got to make the light bill this week. And we move on. And I mean, I know there's, there's humor to it, but it's truth. I mean, I do it too. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you're pressed for time. I got three minutes. Listen, here's the deal. You're amazing. I need some gas in the car. <laughs> Make it happen, man. Make it happen. And then he does it, and you're like, God's amazing. Oh, man, I was sweating it. I prayed for days for this thing. <laughs> no, man, it was a couple sentences. You were done, and you moved on. But 
And I'm not saying it's the time we spend with him, the amount of time, or even the quality. I think it's the, I think it's the relationship. And so bringing it back to John and his awkwardness, a lot of times starting with how we talk to God is the building block of that relationship. And so truthfully, it's, it's hard for people because when they say, well, how do, I, how do I just relax in my speech with him? I mean, what are we supposed to say? Hey, God, what's up? How's it going, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what do I call him? What do I say to him? Is he, you know, my buddy? Or is, you know, how do I break down these lines of communication? And in all honesty, what I have to tell you is if you don't feel awkward, you're not breaking down lines of communication. I mean, when you think of John resting on the chest of Jesus, there's awkwardness. It's going to feel odd because you're doing something different and new. It's a building block. I encourage you to start there. Start with your communication. Let's start breaking down how we communicate with the Lord. Amen. So um, to talk about some different steps and perspectives of this. So the second thing is, you know, really we have to comprehend to, to defend ourselves as to what comes first in this relationship with God. Is it us loving I'm sorry, is it him loving or us keeping? You see, there's, there's a, a, a specific piece that happens inside of this, this kind of run in John 15 that we did in verse 10. There's a word that pops up that's called if. And that word if becomes really troublesome for us. The word specifically deals with his commandments. If you keep my commandments, I'll abide in you and you and me. And we have Bible thumpers that will say, see, see, this is the deal. If you don't walk out all those commandments, you don't really love them. And the truth of it is, I don't believe that's the message of the Gospels. So I don't really buy into it. But inside of us, I think that we have trouble too. Because I think what happens is we encounter God. We go to him for something. And the first thing we start to think of is, man, I, I haven't really done a good job this week. You know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked to the Lord. I haven't prayed. I said a couple bad things while driving the car. You know, I, I disciplined my children the wrong way. Whatever, whatever happened, I, didn't, I wasn't nice to my wife. All these things start to come up that are based around these rules and regulations that we start to distance ourselves because of them. And we start to buy into this principle of if. But I don't, I don't really see that happening. Later on, John writes some other books later on in his life. And in the first one, in the fourth chapter, I think it's the 19th verse, he specifically even says, you know, listen, it's, it's God who loved us first before we ever loved him. So the truth of it is, regardless of what's happened on that if standpoint, we still have love. He doesn't say, I don't love you if you broke down this stuff. If you broke down on the commandments, it's not that I don't love you. We can't start to judge ourselves based on how God views us around this principle of keeping commandments and trying to obey laws. It's just going to destroy where we are. Amen? I mean, we have, we have tons of examples biblically of how this relationship works out. And I mean, there's little things that start to break us down. When you have Mary and Martha, it's a pretty popular story. A lot of us know it. If you don't, so Jesus goes into this little town. And in this town, the party people were Mary and Martha. Everybody knew them. They threw the best parties. 
Everything was great. And as Christ walked on the earth, they fell in love with the Lord and served him. And so Christ is at their house one time hanging out. They are partying it up, man. It's, it's just incredible. And Mary is hanging out with everybody else. But Martha is slaving and cooking and preparing for everybody and watching out. And it probably continues for a long time because when, when Jesus was around, it was a party and it lasted. Like he didn't just come in, do his hour and leave. It was not a show. He hung out. And so as they're there, Martha, being a sister, is becoming a little more upset, shall we say. She's consumed by the fact that her sister is not performing. It's not working. And I made it yesterday. I have my wife's a twin. And they love each other to death. And they will still fight with each other and challenge each other. And the only time they, but, but at the same time, don't challenge the other one. Because then they run to each other and defend each other. And it becomes vicious. So Mary and Martha are probably the same. But Martha loses it. And is like, are you kidding me? Jesus, what is going on, man? I'm working away. I'm making sure all this stuff happens properly. I'm following the rules, man. I'm getting stuff done. And she's hanging out and doing nothing. And Jesus is like, come on, Martha. She's doing the right thing. I'm here. We're hanging out. I'm not going to be around forever. You should also hang out. But because of her desire to keep commandments, to be a pleaser, she fights this internal struggle to, to try to please God. So staying in his love, the third point, staying in his love becomes our, our greatest challenge another example we have is is what we call the prodigal son and really it's two sons it's not just one we take on the example of the prodigal son because honestly it's a simple one for us to comprehend because we've all been in that place and we recognize it the prodigal son uh, so the story is there's a dad, super wealthy, does really well, solid guy. Has two sons, younger, older. That's usually how it works with two. The younger one goes to the dad, says, hey, I've seen all this stuff. You were talking to us last week during your financial planning, um, you know, with, with Dave Ramsey. And we were planning out all this stuff, and I heard about this inheritance thing, and I'd like to know if I could just cash in now. And the dad says, yeah, I don't mind. Take it. He takes his inheritance, he runs to someplace like Amsterdam or Vegas or something, and he goes crazy, okay, and loses every penny to the point that he's indebted and he's living in the swallows with the pigs, hating life. And something inside of him says, hey, this is, this is not good. I don't like it here, and I'm going to go back to my dad's house. And he goes back to his dad's, and as he's walking down the road, his dad sees him, runs out to him, grabs him, welcomes him in, yells out to his servant, and says, hey! Mike, whatever his name is, Mike, we're throwing a party. Call the DJ, kill a cow, throw it on the grill, break out the dance floor, just open it up, man. I want everything we can do. They go inside. The party is crazy. The youngest son is on the dance floor just cutting it up. And the older son starts coming in from work, from the fields. And he looks out. 
through the windows, and he's like, come on. Are you kidding? No. I've been busting hop, man. And this guy's back, and this, this is what he's doing? And the dad sees him out there, and he says, hey, to the, to the servant, go, go out there and get my son, tell him to come in, and we'll have a good time. The servant goes out, and when he tells the older son, hey, come on inside. No, I am not going in there with that guy. No way am I going in there. It's not happening. Servant tells the dad. The dad doesn't understand, so he runs outside. He says, hey, son, come. Come inside. There's a party. I saved you your favorite part of beef. Come on inside. Son says, no way. I, I can't even believe you. I can't believe that I've been slaving away, working hard, and he's in there partying. I did everything for you. I upheld our house. I didn't shame you. I went out in the fields. I worked. I honored you. I did everything you ever asked me to do. I think we can put that in our vernacular. I prayed to you. I gave. I came every weekend. I read your Bible. I served. I talked to my coworkers. I, I raised a good family. I supported my kids. I, I was good to my wife. And the father so lovingly just says to him, son, but wait a second. Every, everything I've ever had has been yours. You could have you you thrown a party any time. There's cows in the field, man. They belong to you. Cut them up. Put them on the grill. The checkbook has been yours. Just get whatever you want. It's your house, man. It's all been yours all the time. You, wait, wait, wait. You've been trying to, you've been trying to impress me? Why would you want to try to impress me? I already love you. I loved you before you were born. I've never not loved you. Why, why would you need to do all those things? And why would you think that I needed you to do all those things? I'm, I'm just in love with you. I just wanted you to experience my love. That's all I ever asked. I don't, I don't want to be 70, 80, 90 years old and yelling at God, I've done everything for you, man. I've done it all. And I totally miss that he just wanted me to enjoy what he already gave me. If I do all this stuff, I, 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 he's probably like, hey, good job, man. Good job. Really proud of you but I love you. I love you a whole lot, Doug. I think that is more of the conversation he would rather have with me than making a list of all the stuff I've been able to accomplish and do for him. Amen? Amen. My prayer for our church is that we would be known as a people who enjoy the Lord, who have a good time, I mean, we may not be the smartest, but we will be the best at having a good time.
Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I, w- I want to be honest. There's, there's possibly people in the room who, who have not ever experienced or maybe people who have been in this room before or in another church who've experienced God's love that may have fallen away. We're going to pray in a minute, but I would ask that everybody would bow your head and close your eye. And I honestly want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you say to yourself, hey, Doug, I've, I know the Lord. I've, I've, I've been in church. I've done this stuff. But man, I, I do not know that love. I know I prayed at one time to, to receive him. I know I've done stuff. But man, I, fought, I fell away. I've, I've not been right. And I want to come back. I want to, I want to, I want to do less for the Lord and receive more of his love. And not just that, but I want to, I want to have that relationship with him again. I want to rekindle it. And I ask that if you're here today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Don't be embarrassed. But this is, this is an opportunity for you to make a statement to the Lord, a confession that you, this is your day the greatest day to your future. I'm going to count to three, and on three, I'd I'd love it if you'd raise your hand and just be bold with the Lord that I want to recommit. I want to come back to you, God. One, two, three. Amen. 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 There is a party in heaven. Jesus is going crazy. I bless you guys for being bold. You your future is going to be phenomenal. And I also always want to give an opportunity that if maybe you haven't heard this before, maybe you don't know or haven't heard of Jesus, maybe it's, you don't comprehend the church, this is something that's totally abstract for you. But you came today. And there's something you heard today that in your heart it says, hey, this is right. If you believe in today, Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords. I want to give you the same opportunity to be bold with the Lord. Again, same thing. Heads are bowed. No one's one's paying attention to you. This is your opportunity. On three, if you'd raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. Amen in the back. Thank you. This is no light or easy choice. I tell you the truth. But from my own history, it is the most revolutionary thing I could have ever done. We're going to say a prayer real quick. Some of you may have heard it before. If you have, you can pray with us. I'm going to pray slow so you can pray with me. If you would, if you would join me. I'm just going to say, Jesus, I believe you're the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I realize today, And we'll always remember that you gave your life so I could live forever. And I believe that it is you alone who can save me from everything of this world. And I pray today that you would sit in my heart for the rest of my life. And I would be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Bless God. Listen, if we could, man.